everybody to see Murray, and I want to welcome you in the name of the Lord to this service of worship. I'm going to put my microphone on right now. I want to commend you. I want to commend you for your wisdom in coming to this service, because the last one that was no ruin the end, you are very, very astute in your selection of service times. So, uh, and it's really nice not to have to look at you and say, sorry, there's no room. So it's really good to be here together. If this is your first time in a church, then I want to just prepare you for what's going to happen. We've come to worship God. We've come not just to look back at something that happened a long time ago, to remember something from long ago and far away. We've come to recognize something right now, that the Lord Jesus Christ is in this place, where two or three are gathered together in his name, he's there, which means he's here. And so we've come to worship him, and we will remember his birth, we will celebrate his birth, but we will recognize in that birth our very life, the life and the hope of this world, and the light has come into the world, and that's what we're going to celebrate. And at the end of this service, we will celebrate symbolically and substantively by lighting a candle. And I want to do a quick review for you so that for the next hour you can prepare yourselves. Because <laughs> we don't want anybody walking out of here with wax all over them. So what will happen is I will light a candle, and then I'll hold it like this and offer it to somebody else. And they will take their candle and, and like that, light the candle. Nobody with a flame will go like this. <laughs> unless it's on yourself. So hold out. Uh, your lit candle to allow somebody else to light their candle. We'll light all the candles in the room as we conclude the worship service. But right now, I simply want to remember that, that we are here in the presence of God, and let's acknowledge that together. Lord Jesus, we've come at your bidding, invited to your celebration. We've come to remember you, certainly. We've also come, Lord, to recognize that you are here with us. By faith, you are in our lives, in our hearts. By faith, Lord, you'll help us to connect with your heart. We thank you, Lord, that you have made through uh, the opportunity to sing and to read and to listen, to pray, all kinds of ways to understand who you are and what you're doing in this world. So I pray that you administer your grace to each heart here tonight. For those who know you well and for those who are simply exploring to perhaps answer the question, are you who you say you are and who others say you are as well? So for that, Lord, we give you honor and glory and praise that you will answer that prayer in many and wonderful ways as we gather here in your name tonight. And in Jesus' name we pray and commit this service. Amen. Amen.
coming to this evening, this wonderful Christmas Eve. It finally arrived. We are glad you chose to spend the first part of this special evening with us. Tonight I want to lead us through a story, for some a familiar story, but in our minutes together, I want us to look at it from a slightly different angle. The Christmas story is a part of the greatest and most significant story ever told. The story of God coming to earth in the person of Jesus Christ to bring redemption to a world that really needs it. But have you ever thought of this whole birth event from Joseph's perspective? Tonight we're going to read part of the Bible story that is sometimes overlooked. And with an imaginative look, we'll see the nativity through Joseph's eyes. The fun part is that we get to participate in this story. We get to be right in it. she was pregnant by the Holy Spirit, and that her baby was the long-awaited Messiah, the Son of God, the Redeemer of the world. Well, you can guess Joseph's response upon hearing that news from Mary. was to pay a fine and break the engagement, 
and that is what Joseph decided to do. Things were a little tense, as you might guess. But before he could do that, a messenger of the Lord, an angel, came to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to wed Mary and bring her into your home and family as your wife. The baby she now carries was conceived by the miraculous working of the Holy Spirit. She will have a son, and you will name him Jesus, which means the Lord saves, because this Jesus is the person who will save all of his people from sin. So how do you think Joseph responded? Would you believe the angel? Joseph did. And millions of people through centuries have believed the word of that angel. Jesus is God, come to earth in human flesh for the purpose of living and dying to bring redemption to everyone and everything that he created. Matthew, a disciple of Jesus, wrote this next part of the story. His gospel goes on to say, Joseph woke up from his dream and did exactly what the angel had told him to do. He married Mary and brought her into his home as his wife, though he did not sleep with her until after her son Jesus was born. And when the baby was born, Joseph named him Jesus, meaning Savior. Some of the best stories are the stories you couldn't have guessed, but there were some very strong hints about this particular story. Some 700 years earlier, the Old Testament prophet Isaiah predicted that this exact thing would happen, that a virgin would conceive and bear a son, and that he would be named Emmanuel, meaning God with us.
story. This teenage girl, Mary, and her fiance, Joseph, were both from Nazareth in Galilee. That's in the northern part of Israel, about 12 miles due east of the Mediterranean Sea and 10 miles west of the Sea of Galilee. The Romans, who occupied and ruled Israel, required everyone to participate in a census. Because it was, he was a descendant of King David, Joseph's ancestral city was Bethlehem, David's birthplace. Now Bethlehem was a little south of Jerusalem and about 80 miles away from Nazareth, which is about as far as Newport Beach. By the way, an American pastor uh, by the name of Philip Brooks in the year 1866 was visiting Israel. On Christmas Eve that year, he rode on horseback the six miles from Jerusalem to Bethlehem. He was so moved from the experience that when he returned to Philadelphia, he wrote this carol. now far along in her pregnancy, accompanied Joseph on the 80-mile journey. While they were in Bethlehem, she went into labor and gave birth to her firstborn son. She wrapped the newborn baby in a soft blanket and laid him in a manger because the guest room in the house was already occupied. This baby was God's surprise to the world. Who would ever have guessed 
that a king would be born in a circumstance such as this. Most people didn't recognize him then, didn't know who he was, and sadly, many still don't today. outside of Bethlehem, a group of shepherds were guarding their flocks from predators. Suddenly an angel of the Lord stood in front of them and scared the daylights out of them. The darkness was replaced by a glorious light, the shining light of God's glory. Well, you'd be scared too. Do not be afraid, shepherds. Listen, I bring great and joyful news. News that will affect all people everywhere for all of time. Today, 
In the city of David, a savior has been born for you. He is the promised liberating king, the supreme authority. You will know you have found him when you see a baby wrapped in a blanket, lying in a feeding trough. At that moment, the first heavenly messenger was joined by thousands of other messengers, a vast heavenly choir of angels. They praised God, singing, glory to God to the highest heights of the universe, and on earth peace among all people who bring pleasure to God. shepherds were buzzing with conversation. They said to each other, let's go to Bethlehem right now and see what's happening. Let's see what the angel told us about.
Well, the shepherds ran into town and eventually found Mary and Joseph with the baby Jesus, who was lying in the feeding trough. After they saw the new baby, the shepherds spread the story of the astounding thing that had happened and what the angels said to them about this child. Everyone who heard their story couldn't stop thinking about its meaning. Mary, too, pondered all these events, treasuring each memory in her heart. This baby had come on a mission from heaven. The truth is, the Son of God had come to earth to give his life to redeem the world, and Joseph's hands, those of a carpenter, were the very first ones to hold this Savior of the world.
After all of this excitement and milling over in their minds what had happened, the shepherds returned to their flocks, praising God for all they had seen and heard. And they glorified God for the way the experience had unfolded, just as the heavenly messenger had predicted. They could not put a lid on their joy. Luke told us this part of the story, but Matthew tells us more of what happened surrounding Jesus' birth. And he also tells us a little bit more about Joseph. Our story continues. Not long after Jesus was born, magi, or wise men from the east, understood that the one who would save his people from sin, a king of kings, had been born. So they set off to find this baby. Making their way into Jerusalem, they asked around, where is this newborn child who is the king of the Jews? When we were far away in our own country, we saw his star, and we have followed its glistening in the sky all this way so that we may worship him.
Now the evil King Herod began to hear rumors of these wise men's quest. And he and all the followers in Jerusalem were worried and threatened by the news. So Herod called in all of the leading Jewish teachers, the chief priests and head scribes, and he asked them what Hebrew tradition had to say about where this long-awaited king would be born. These scribes and priests told this paranoid king that an ancient Hebrew prophet, Micah, had said that a ruler will be the shepherd of my people Israel, will be born in Bethlehem in the land of Judah. With this information from the scribes in hand, Herod ordered the wise men to come to his chambers in secret because he didn't want anyone to know what he was up to. He demanded to know the exact time the special star had appeared to them. Then he sent them off with these instructions. Go to Bethlehem and search high and low for this savior child. And as soon as you know where he is, come back here quietly and report exactly where he is so that I may go and worship him too. Herod was evil, jealous, mentally disturbed, and of course, didn't really want to worship the baby Jesus. He wanted to kill him, as he had killed his own wife and children, out of fear that they were plotting his overthrow. He was a despicable man. Herod was trying to trick the Magi into telling him exactly where Jesus was, but it didn't work. The wise men left Herod's chambers and went on their way. The star they had seen in the east reappeared, a miracle that, of course, overjoyed the wise men. The star led them to the house where Jesus lay, and as soon as the wise men arrived, they saw Jesus with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. They unpacked their satchels and gave him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Then they left and went back to their homes via a different route, since an angel had warned them in a dream that the evil King Herod, what the evil King Herod was really up to. As soon as the Magi left, an angel came to Joseph, again in a dream, and told him to take Mary and the baby Jesus and go immediately to Egypt, because Herod was planning to kill all the baby boys under two years old. Joseph, Mary, and baby Jesus left immediately in the middle of the night and escaped to Egypt. They stayed there until King Herod died, and then they went back to their hometown in Nazareth. You can see that Joseph was a very good and loving earthly father to this new and wonderful baby boy, come from heaven, the Savior of the world. During the singing of Jesus, what a wonderful child, we'll ask the ushers if you would be prepared to receive the Christmas Eve offering during this song, and we invite you all to sing along with us.
feel your pulse, would you please? Thank you very much. You got a lot of work to do in this crowd, you know. But we worship Jesus, but I gotta tell you, I really, really admire Joseph. I really admire him because he wanted to do the right thing in the right way. I also really admire him because he wanted to do the will of God. Think about that for a second. Is that not something you can admire in a man? Not only a man who wants to do the right thing in the right way. Any men like that here tonight? I'm just wondering. Anybody here? If you brought a man like that, would you raise your hand so we can see where you're sitting? Okay, I've got a lot of hands are going up, man. I'm thinking that I want to have some conversations after this uh, worship service. Hopefully every man in this room is that kind of man who wants to do right thing in the right way. And the way you'll get there is by wanting with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength to do the will of God. That's so far beyond our capacity, our ability, our best intentions, but for him. But in Joseph, we see a man who, despite all the circumstances that motivated him to do otherwise, to turn the other way, did just that. So I admire him for that. I can't think of a greater gift that we would offer our children than that. If somebody could say of us as fathers, as men, as moms, as women, as people, influencing a, another generation, that they saw us as people who really did want to do the right thing in the right way, and they saw us as people who more than anything else wanted to do the will of God, would not that be the best legacy we could give our kids? Wouldn't that be great to talk to an adult who could tell you I'm just so grateful that my dad taught me to seek the will of God. That I saw in my dad's priorities, the highest one being, he wanted to trust the Lord with all his heart, soul, mind, and strength. And if you, you do that, what happens? You experience the peace of God in your life. Because this is the pathway to peace. Anything other than that, trusting in oneself alone, is most definitely the runway to ruin. It's a fast track with a sudden stop. And every one of us yearns in our heart of hearts this pathway of peace. That life doesn't get, just doesn't get longer and longer. Life gets better and better in spite of the circumstances along the way. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 says this, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways submit to Him and he will make your path straight. It doesn't say that he will change your circumstances. He will change you in the midst of your circumstances. And even the crooked path around you will become a straight path to him. Joseph was that kind of man. He trusted God. In fact, he obeyed two commandments that he knew by heart. He, he obeyed that primary commandment that we hear from Moses, speaking to the people, quoted in Deuteronomy chapter chapter 6. is called the great Shema, the, the listen up. Shema is to listen, pay attention. It's the imperative. So Shema Israel, listen. The Lord our God is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, all your strength. In fact, when Jesus was asked what the greatest commandments were, what the greatest commandment was, he, he added two. He said, this is it. He quoted that. He said, to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and to love your neighbor as yourself. And people were in awe of his wisdom. Now, how did he know that? 
Well, obviously he knew it because he was God in the flesh, the Messiah. But I believe he also knew it as a man, as a man who'd grown up in a home where he had seen that every single day. Because if somebody said, well, how do you know that? That's true. In fact, the authorities who were testing him by asking the question said, yeah, you're right. But had they pushed him and said, how do you know that? He could have said, I know it from my heavenly father, and I know it from my earthly adopted father. That's how I know it. I believe Jesus learned many essential skills through Joseph by God's grace. This is the job of every father, to teach their kids essential skills for living. And everything we see in Jesus would cause us to say, Joseph must have been that kind of father. And like most dads, it was probably a combination of wise counsel, stern warning, and really silly humor. Now, I wish we had time tonight to start over here and say, tell us about some of the wise things your father has told you. Tell us about some of his stern warnings, and then we'll take a long time to tell, uh, for you to tell us about his silly humor. And you know, it wouldn't take more than one row because we're starting over here with Johan de Villiers. <laughs> for everybody in the room to say, did all dads go to the same dad school? Because all the same dumb jokes work in every family, or not, as the case may be. But somehow, when you become a father, you think what never worked for you all of a sudden will work for your kids. That silly humor is going to go somewhere. And in, in fact, we believe it so emphatically, we say the same funny things over and over and over again. So much so, and here's the, the burden of this incredible thing that fathers do. For the rest of your life, you will tell the same dumb jokes. For the rest of your life, you'll be walking along and you'll lean over and tap the opposite shoulder of your kid. So they look like this. But they won't do that after the first time, they'll look at you. You go, what? And one day, they'll find themselves doing it to their child and go, oh my gosh, it's happened to me. But this is what Joseph did. He taught him about the Lord, reinforcing everything that Jesus was. And he taught him about life, supporting everything Jesus would do. And in fact, that Jesus did. And I love the way he cared for Mary. In fact, we see the influence in Jesus there too. Because one of the last things that Jesus said from the cross to the Apostle John was, take care of my mom. Just as Joseph was looking out for Mary from the beginning, so Jesus emulated his earthly dad. I love the way Joseph applied those commandments to love the Lord, his God, with heart, soul, mind, and strength, and to love his neighbor as himself, as it, as it applied to Mary. When he got that disturbing news, he had no category for it. He didn't know what, what to do. No, what? You did what? No, how could that be? I see you this way. I, I can't imagine you being anything less than that. And his initial plan, because he was a good and righteous man, was to do the right thing according to the law, to very quietly break off the engagement, to arrange things so as not to embarrass her, to show compassion to her. But definitely it was over. And then that angel appeared to him. Caused him to see it from a larger perspective. Joseph, this is not a horrible mistake. This is the ultimate fulfillment of everything you live for and stand for, yearn for and pray for. This is the greatest gift to give a man who wants nothing more than to do the right thing in the right way as he seeks the will of God. 
And so that peace that passes understanding filled his soul and flooded his heart, clarifying his mind. Because though, because though that was his initial plan, he let go of his initial plan and decided to trust God. And that made all the difference. God had shown him a better way, and as Joseph embraced that better way, he experienced the peace of God. Though his circumstances had not changed, his understanding of God's presence in the midst of them changed everything. God's way is just like that. He always shows us a better way. And the better way, always, is to trust the Lord. Sometimes it's counterintuitive. Sometimes it calls us into suffering and sacrifice. It always, even if it involves success, it always calls us to trust the Lord first and foremost. And until we do that and learn to do that, baby step by baby step, stride by stride, we will never know the peace of God. And thankfully, Joseph was wise and humble enough to listen to the Lord and to trust him. I hope we can be exactly like that. Because trusting God produces peace, and peace is a deep sense of God-given well-being in spite of any number of circumstances. Joseph's humble faith fulfills what God told Israel through the prophet Micah. You heard, read a little bit ago, that Micah had foretold where this baby would be born in Bethlehem in Judea. But Micah also said this, one of my favorite phrases in Hebrew, Higid laha adam matov. He has told you, O man. What is good? And what does the Lord require of you, Micah says, and we, we see it in Micah 6.8, to act justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. The man who looks in the mirror for wisdom will be sorely and sadly disappointed. But the man who looks to the Lord will feel so blessed so giddy with joy, he will not be able to believe his good fortune. Such is the lavish love and grace of God given to us as we trust in him with all of our heart, as we learn to love him with heart, soul, mind, and strength, as we learn to act justly, love mercy, and walk humbly with him. This is what we receive as a gift from him. And so wouldn't you agree that the world needs more men like Joseph? More men and women, more kids, more teenagers, more people like Joseph. People in every possible kind of socioeconomic status. Any kind of geographical description. Any kind of ethnicity. Any possible place you could search the world. Wouldn't you want to find a person who says, this is who I want to be. This is the God that I've learned to listen to and trust. Do you think that would make you feel like you had landed in the sweet spot no matter where you landed? You'd feel like, these are my people. This is my family. People who listen to God and trust him. People like you. In fact, you know what Jesus said about you? In Matthew 12, verse 50, we see a description of Jesus teaching in a crowded place like this. People can't even get in, it's so crowded. And somebody comes to him and says, your mother and your brothers 
are outside. They want to see you. And he said, well, who's my mother? Who are my brothers? He has a sister. He says, who's my sister? He could have said, who's my father? Because as you know, Joseph wasn't related to Jesus by blood, was he? Who are you? What he said is this. For whoever does the will of my father in heaven is my brother and sister and mother. And he could have said my father. And he could have said to all of us here, and my friend. You see, we're family through faith in him. What we can't claim by virtue of blood, our own, related to him, genetically, we can claim by his blood, shed for us on the cross, removing every barrier that would keep us away from a life-changing, permanent relationship with him. See, that's the God that Joseph trusted, and that's why he had the peace that passes human understanding. That's why he could make the commitment to Mary that he did. And so as I imagine that first Christmas, I imagine Joseph smiling peacefully, surrounded by all the chaos of that moment, perhaps the quiet of that moment. Too many people in a small space. Too many logistics beyond anybody's ability to imagine or to manage. It's all happening at the same time. And in the midst of that, I believe Joseph had an incredible sense of peace about him. Gone is the pained frown of dismay, of disappointment, perhaps of anger and heartbreak that he experienced just nine months previous. When he had received that news and probably felt crushed by the weight of it. Now, that pained frown, that heartbreak has been replaced by the peaceful smile the incredible peace that comes with trusting God as he looks at Jesus. What made no sense from a human perspective made absolute, complete, and total sense now from the perspective of God. And here he stands, smiling at Mary and Jesus, tears of gratitude perhaps wetting his cheek. Don't you love it when you can feel deeply? Now, none of us like empty emotion. But all of us, all of us resonate with that experience, that, that ability to express deep feelings. Deep feelings that cause us to laugh, to be giddy with joy, to, the, to let the tears flow out of absolute thankfulness and gratitude for such a good thing. And I imagine that was perhaps Joseph's situation. Overwhelmed with the goodness of this situation, nodding his head in wonder as shepherds he'd never seen before. Crowding into an already crowded house, telling everyone present what the angel of God had said to them. And as if it was yesterday, Joseph is thinking, that's what I heard. Don't be afraid. God is in this. This is God's good gift to you. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord, the one you've been waiting for, hoping for, yearning for. The ones to whom the prophets have given their best effort to tell you he's on his way. The one that Herod had done everything in his power to keep you away from. This will be a sign to you. And can you imagine the emotion welling up in him? This will be a sign to you, the shepherds are telling these people. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger.
Well, it's an understatement to say that great joy filled that house. There's no room for fear in a house like that. When the Lord is in the house, fear goes out the doors, out the windows, because love comes flooding in. And so like Joseph, may we welcome the Prince of Peace into our hearts and into our homes tonight. Perhaps yet again. Perhaps every day you wake up welcoming the Lord into your heart and into your home. Perhaps tonight is the first time you'll ever think to do that. But whether it's the first time or the umpteenth time, tonight is a night to welcome the Lord into your heart. Up close and personal. It's a time to welcome him into the relationships that define you and describe you. It's a time to welcome him into your family. To look at all your traditions this Christmas and make sure they all point to him. To make sure that all those traditions make sense because of him. And I pray this becomes the mission of every one of us here. That we'd have a larger vision for who we are and what we're called to be and do. That that would be the mission that from now on would define us. To look up and see the glory of God. To trust him as we bring our eyes back down to see all the things he's called us to do and be in his name. This is what the world needs and this is why Jesus came into his world. It's his world before it's ours. And because it's his world, we can welcome him into our world. And we can walk with him one day at a time. And we can work with him with everything that he has entrusted to each one of us. And as we do that, as we see in Joseph's life, as we emulate in Joseph and in Mary as well, the Lord will bless us and fill us with his peace and with his joy as we learn to do that one day at a time in his name, guided by his word, encouraged by his people, empowered by his Holy Spirit within us. And may this be for you and your family a very, very Merry Christmas. And so, Lord Jesus, we thank you for this gift. Beyond anything that we would think to ask for or that we could even imagine, we thank you before we knew our need, you had responded to meet our need. Before we knew what to do, Lord, you knew it needed to be done. We thank you, Lord, that in spite of our indifference or even our antagonistic hostility towards you, you've treated us as friends, even when we perhaps saw ourselves as your enemies. Lord, from ignorance to insight, from resistance to relinquishment, Lord, we come into your presence, opening our hearts and our minds to you, responding to your embrace, receiving this incredible gift of your presence through your love and your grace. We thank you for Joseph's example, for Mary's, for those people that you've brought into our lives to show us what it means to learn to walk with you as we welcome you. And so, Lord, may that be our legacy to all those that we love, that we would learn to love them as you have loved us. And we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.
his love, his peace, his mercy, and power, both now and forevermore, in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. May you and yours have a most wonderful and merry Christmas, and as you leave, if you please extinguish the candles and leave them with the ushers on your way out the door. God bless you.